Welcome to another episode at the Be Guided and Be Great podcast, where being intuitive is understood and being sensitive is a good thing. I'm your host, Kate St. Clair. Today's podcast is called Please Believe Me, Dealing with Non-Believers as a Psychic Medium. We're going to focus heavily on how that looks in relationship, and I'll probably do another uh, podcast relatively soon that has to do with putting yourself out in the world, um, dealing with non-believers. But today we will focus primarily on family and how we negotiate and navigate ourselves and our gift um, among people who you're either born this way or you're not, and those that are not in touch with um, this part of being human, um, those that can get away with denying it and pretending it's not real within themselves, which by the way, nobody can get away with, but there are some of us that, um, not including myself, but there are some people that, um, can pretend this isn't real. You know, they go a lifetime without seeing ghosts. Maybe they don't see a ghost until they're like 70 and then all of a sudden they're believers and then all of a sudden your whole lifetime is relevant to them because it's who you are from day one versus waiting until you're 70 to experience the things that um, highly born psychic medium people um, experience all the time. So um, I want to start by, I want to start with a story and I was talking to a client one day and she said, he doesn't believe in what I do. I don't think he understands it. I don't know if this is going to work out. My response to her was, does he need to? Does his belief make it real? Can you do what you know how to do even if he doesn't understand ever? Do you believe in and understand what he does? If you don't, does that mean what he does all day long isn't real either just because you don't believe in it? <laughs> I thought these were really relative questions to ask her. You know, my husband makes beer. He goes to work every day and he makes a product that people love and he makes sure the people working there are safe and he makes sure the equipment that makes that sweet nectar is functioning smoothly. I don't question what he does because there's physical evidence of what he makes. He makes beer. I'm a psychic medium. My work is in the spiritual realm. My work takes that which is unseen and brings it into the physical realm through. There are three ways that our work is real. Um, the first way it is through validation. If I'm in a reading with a stranger and I say, your grandma's name is Joy and she has straight black hair. Um, you validate through that through either, yeah, your grandma's name was actually Joy, and yes or no, her hair was black or not. Um, that's not really negotiable. And um, a lot of mediums get both of those things right. And sometimes there's so much pressure, they might hear the name, but not necessarily see the face yet. And that's about skill and patience, and there's a lot going on there. But um, my work is about if, if I'm reading somebody, what I'm saying, and I've never met them is either true or it's not. And if it's not, then people would never go to a psychic ever again. And there are obviously untrained psychics that don't do a very good job. And maybe they're trying. And obviously there are 
total phonies and charlatans out there. As I've said before, that is true with every single profession. So one of the ways my work is either real or not is through validation. Um, the second way our work is becomes real is through confirmation. So I'm not a huge predictor. I don't love that aspect of being a psychic. I prefer to more be the concrete factual stuff like being a medium. You know, if, if I say your grandmother had black hair and it was straight, she either did or didn't. I like that work. But sometimes prediction stuff comes up and I just have to go with it and say what I'm getting from your guide. And confirmation would look like this. I say to my client, your friend from Ohio is going to tell you about a job in Oregon and you're going to take it. Two months later, you send me an email saying you're moving to Oregon. That's an actual true story. So that's how at the beginning, I don't have a lot of that evidence because in your personal life, it's like, okay, you predicted you'd move to New York or you predicted you would, you know, get married and you predicted your first kid would be a girl. That all feels really personal and really normal. So there's nothing super outside of the box. I even predicted really batshit crazy things that came true and I still could not really convince myself I had a gift. <laughs> so... That was an experience professionally, which is why I love being a professional psychic medium because I don't know you. And how the hell would I know you have a friend even from Ohio? How would I even know anything about Oregon and jobs and all of those things? So those are actually really fun moments professionally um, when we use our gift professionally to get, we get surprised. Those are really, really fun uh, moments. So and the third way our work becomes real is through intention. So the guides will often give, this seems to be an average thing, where the guides will um, advise a client and say, you need to have firm boundaries with your mother. And the client, that rings true for them. And so they we talk about how that looks in their particular situation. And, you know, the next time I see them or they send me an email saying I've, I've done a really good job with um, having better boundaries and it's really changed things between me and my mother. So, um, there are, are hundreds of other ways my work is real, but the truth is, is it can be subtle. Okay. Particularly that predicted prediction type stuff, particularly if they give us advice, like have better boundaries. That's not an easy thing. It feels really abstract. So just because they told us it doesn't make it real until we take which, what they told us and implement that into our reality. That's what makes those types of guidance things real in our lives. Um, it's my job to understand how my work is real because I'm the professional and if you're not a professional, but you are a sensitive, a psychic medium, it's your job to make this work real for you because you're the one being um, experiencing it. You're the one being influenced by the energy. Okay. So my family and friends, um, you know, they're not the professional, so it doesn't matter if they ever understand. <sighs> This is tough love, you know, because I too wasted years wishing, I mean, decades actually, wishing and waiting for my, my family and my husband and my friends to validate me before I could step into the limelight. If I didn't have a mentor that threw me into the limelight, I wouldn't be where I am today because there was no way in hell my husband would have understood my gift before I did, right? That makes no sense. 
I was the one experiencing it, not him. And in terms of my family, it was their legacy. Um, it, it felt like the legacy was built on silencing and dimming my gift. So that was the reality and the experience I personally came from. So when I went out into the world and I, I went out with this gift shut down, um, we do sort of look at other people to tell us that we're, we've got the gift to tell us that we're sensitive to tell us that we're seeing something that most people don't see. And so we're looking for people to validate that, which they don't understand in themselves. Um, so it's a lot of time wasted early, early, early in my training, my mentor went to China for a month and she sent her clients to me and I was humbled, but I was also super terrified. It was brutal and scary, but knowing that she believed in my ability forced me to say yes when they called for an appointment. That doesn't mean it was easy, and that doesn't mean, oh, she thinks I'm great, so that makes that makes me want to show up and be happy about this. No, I still really struggled at the time, and I was too humble, and it was scary, but I have to give this credit because I'm saying we can go lifetimes without a single person seeing this within us. And from the minute she met me, she said, you can do this. And I specifically remember saying to her, I don't understand even what the hell you're doing. So how could I possibly do this when I don't even understand how you're reading me, how you're getting this information? So I'm sure this with you because I, I started at negative and we don't even start at zero when we have a childhood that doesn't validate us. We're starting actually in the negative and it takes us a really long time and we must be diligent and passionate to get to zero so we can go forward. <laughs> I mean, we're healing all of these things before we actually hit zero to get to go forward, um, with confidence and with understanding and with clarity. So, the point of what I'm talking about is it's your job, honey. If you're the sensitive, it's your job to understand your gift, to validate your gift before looking out to others to do that for you. They won't. Okay. Um, in 2010, when I was going through my spiritual awakening, my spirit guide told me over and over, she kept saying, it's not his job, meaning my husband, to tell you how good of a psychic you are. It's not his job to understand. I had a belief that he should understand me and my gift and the burden and the intricacies of it when I was a tiny person, you know, and if he, if he loved me, he would validate that in me. But the brutal reality was that was nonsense. He could not validate me that which he didn't understand within himself. And to tell a quick story, when I had said that prayer, you know, the story I share with you guys about going, um, going on that walk. And I heard the guide say, pick her up and carry her towards people. He's going to follow you. And I did. And in that moment, I realized that my two-year-old daughter got the same guidance that I did. And I said the prayer, get me help or take this away. And, um, the after part of that story was that about a month, maybe two months later, I went to a Carolyn May show, um, at the Lincoln center in Fort Collins, Colorado. And I opened up the brochure and there was a local psychic medium. And I just knew this was the person that could help me. 
And so as psychics do, we go to other psychics thinking they're going to say, oh, you're crap, you're not good, you have no gift. We expect them to speak like that to us. And certainly she said, the minute I walked, sat down, she said, you can do exactly what I'm doing. Your, your, your talent is just off the charts. And I felt so stupid not even understanding what she was talking about. I'd studied this stuff through books. Remember, I put my study in for decades. I'd read books and I tried to get help and I tried to meet other psychics and none of that was very fruitful. So I intellectually understood what she was doing, but I didn't, I didn't understand how. And so when I told, she offered to mentor me and, you know, we had just had a my daughter was two. I was pregnant with a second child. We were super strapped for cash. And when I said to my husband that I want to get into her mentorship program, you know, it was a couple hundred dollars a month. He, he got actually mad and he, what it, what it comes down to is people think that psychics wanting to get mentorship, it's an egotistical thing. And so like the culture thinks that we just become a bunch of know-it-alls when really it has really nothing to do with being a know-it-all and we're not, this isn't Hollywood. This is real life. So born psychic medium sensitives are already experiencing the ghosts. They're already experiencing the, the thoughts in the, you know, telepathy that we've talked about. They're already experiencing the pressure of the dead. They're already experiencing your emotions because they don't know the difference between themselves and you. And so I got, mad because he didn't even understand what I was asking him. And so I want to share that story with you so we can have compassion on the husbands or the spouses or the family that when you go to them to share, Hey, I'm going to get mentorship. This is a positive thing. And they immediately don't understand and possibly try to talk you out of it. Um, it, val it revalidates the pain and it revalidates the loneliness and isolation that this gift can feel when you don't understand it. So, um, we have compassion that they don't understand and we have compassion for ourselves that we want other people to understand us and they simply can't. Okay, honey. So it's your job. It's your job. If you need mentorship, if you need help with the gift, um, and if she, God pray, you have somebody offered to mentor you. That's a beautiful thing, even if nobody understands. Once I stopped projecting that he should understand my work as well as I did, everything in my life changed. I don't understand what he does all day long. And if I can be honest with you, I don't really care. I don't really need to hear about beer, um, I don't really care how it's made. I don't drink and it's not my passion. I love his company and they treat him good. And that's what I care about. He was born to do that work and he's damn good at it. That doesn't make me care about it. <laughs> I'm being really honest with you. The point is because I care about him. I care how he's doing and I care how he's feeling. I don't care about the quality of beer he makes. Um, I care about my husband and, and the quality of beer he makes is just not really relevant to our personal relationship, you know, and what a freedom that is because I actually love that he's not a psychic medium. That's my passion. I'm the expert in our home. I take the lead in dealing with spiritual matters. And when it's time for drinks, I hand that over to him. And I love that about, um, 
We're not in each other's wheelhouses. After a long day work, both of us get to come home as just partners and friends. And I can, I'm happy to listen to his stories about beer production. And he's happy to hear about my work, uh, the good, the bad, the ugly. <laughs> but I've got the passion for it. And he's got the passion for beer making. And the cool thing is, is that we can just hold the space for each other. You know, we're not in each other's storylines there because we're doing different things and we're not invested in the process or the under, the understanding of each other's professions, right? There's no competition. And so oh, it's just a lovely thing. Again, the point is, is that your, your spouse, your husband, your partner, they don't have to understand what you do, but they do have to be respectful, right? I mean, that, that's where I draw the line because at the first part of my profession, he wasn't exactly respectful and that's just not okay. So it's okay for them not to understand, but it's not okay for them to not be respectful about what you do. And again, if you're a sensitive and you're not professional, it's the same quality of respect. That's who you are, right? Like making beer isn't exactly who he is because he can sit down and hang out and it's not influencing him. Where sensitive psychic mediums, we can, we sit there and we are being affected by the energy. So it is a part of who we are. And I'm through this podcast, I'm going to refer to being professional, but I, I, I want to honor that it doesn't matter if you're taking clients or not being psychic, sensitive, psychic medium, that's who you are. And in every moment you can't turn that off. You can control it. Right. And you can do things about it to, to have a normal life, but it is a, a fundamentally in your being, um, who you are. And here's a funny statistic I want to reassure you with is 90% of the intuitives I know, particularly the professionals, we are all married to engineers. Isn't that astounding? She's open hearted. She's creative, emotional. She lives in all the multi dimensions and the husband is linear. He's black and white and everything is super logical. Why? Well, after studying this and seeing it play over and over and over with my colleagues, it's because it's a perfect yin yang It's balance. He does things that I couldn't do and I do things he can't do. Um, the way he can go to work and endure that type of energy every single day, all day, all those personalities, all the expectations, um, he doesn't even really get sick because he can manage the energy so beautifully. That's how he's wired. And, um, I remember when I had to have sort of a quote unquote normal profession, it was hard. If I was in, um, I worked at a stock stock brokerage company and, you know, sitting against six other women just in that space was really hard to endure, you know, and I had a lifetime of job jobs where I had to, you know, get the bills paid and I've had a lot of professions. I mean, I was even a real estate agent for a while. Well, for several years, in fact, and that's hard because you can read their thoughts. You can feel maybe the disappointment where their money's not going as far as they wished it would. You can take in all of their fears. If they've moved to a new city, um, the, the city where I did real estate, we have a huge, we have a huge military base and I had a lot of military clients. And so I could feel both like their fear and their excitement and it would just overwhelm me. So the point is, is that these engineering type of minds, which we have as well, right? It's not the lack of engineering mind that we have, but the energy is much more, 
black and white. So they don't, the engineering brain doesn't typically take on other people's energies because they're much more involved in their own energy, which sounds selfish, but it's actually a true gift <laughs> when it comes to dealing with other people. And this is a story I talk about a lot. Um, I want to tell a quick story to illustrate how these differences can be wonderful. So my daughter is just like her dad and my son is just like me. So if somebody is hurt, my son and I will make sure you're okay emotionally. But if you show blood, he and I are out of there. My husband and my daughter will be there to patch you back together. If you start to cry, they are out of there and my son and I will come back and pick you up and we'll put you back together emotionally. So that's, that's a beautiful balance. It's a yin yang. Um, and another quick story to illustrate that I had to go to the emergency room last year. I was dealing with an infection in my jaw, in my cheek. And I hate IVs. I'm, you know, just a little, I'm a total baby when it comes to that stuff. And so they put an IV in my arm and I had to do a CT scan. And so I'm back in my, with my family out in the waiting room and the, the, the IV is kind of hanging off and just really bothering me. And then I'm kind of scared of what they'll find. So that the fear of the unknown and my son is being very caring and, you know, mama and being loving and supportive. Well, my husband and daughter are like across the way watching silly videos and just not paying any attention to me. And let's say a decade ago, that would have really bothered me or hurt my feelings. I would have interpreted that, that they don't care. But in that moment, this reality just was very clear to me. My son was tending to me because he's just like me. If you're afraid, I'm afraid. You know, if you're wherever you go, I can follow you and I'll be there right there with you. But if you show blood, I will fall to the ground and I will not apologize because I can't handle blood. I can't handle those things. And so it's the same way as my husband and my daughter can't handle your emotions. It's like blood to them. And so how can we be mad at people? Because they simply, they, you know, we have our limits and with certain personalities, um, they're angel beings. And so that's to me, the interpretation of why it looks like, you know, unless you're really on the ground suffering, they don't really care. They're doing their thing. And the minute you actually have a physical problem. They're all hands on deck where my son will probably be on the floor passed out if I started to have blood in that moment. So we want to understand who each other are so we don't take what they do personally or be mad at them for, again, I would not apologize for passing out if you start to bleed. I can't, I have no control over that. And so just because my son, I'm sorry, my daughter and my husband don't fall to the ground because I'm super emotional doesn't mean that they're not doesn't mean that they're able to handle that type of energy. You know, and I, I've, you know, I've paid attention and I watch people and we've all seen the two artists that are married or partnered up and nothing ever gets done in the, in the physical realm. Both artists live in the spiritual creative realm and nobody wants to pay the bills. I've, you know, I've seen that a lot and it's sad and I understand why it, cause they're both in different realms and nobody's really hanging out in the physical realm. So bills don't get paid and kids get neglected. You guys know what I'm talking about. So, I mean, I'm, I'm being silly here, but I just want to illustrate that, um, 
If you have a partner that really doesn't understand your sensitivities, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Now, if you can get both on board where you're mutually respectful to who and what you are and what you do, then you can make it work. Um, in fact, my client, the one who I opened this podcast talking about, she's an energy healer. She's a massage therapist and energy healer. And I'm quite happy to report that after I shared that information with her, that he doesn't have to understand and that doesn't make it not real, right? She and her lawyer boyfriend are now married because that was her realizing he doesn't need to understand, but he does need to be respectful, which he is. They were able to work through that and they have gotten married. Okay, I'm going to do some freestyling now and I'm going to still try to keep this podcast around a half hour because I know you guys are busy. Um, one of the stories I want to, I, I, again, I just want to drive this point home about you are what you are and other people may not understand. So I remember uh, an interview Oprah did with one of my colleagues, Ainsley McLeod. Um, he wrote the instruction, um, transformation. And then I think his third book is something about old souls. So you guys should absolutely check him out. I'm going to do a podcast about him sometime soon because um, he's really heavily focused on past life stuff, which I know if you're like me at the beginning, I didn't think I could really handle that because I could barely handle this life. So I didn't really care about my past lives, but understanding his work and getting to know him over the last decade, um, past life things are very relevant and we do funny things today because of what happened in other lives. So, um, if you haven't checked him out, he's a, a lovely Scottish man and his work is fantastic, life changing. So, um, anyway, he was in, um, an Oprah was interviewing him years ago, five to 10 years ago. And he was talking about, I think she'd asked him something like this is again, this is a long time ago. So I have to tr sort of pull this from memory, but something about when did you first know you were different or when did you first know whatever? And he'd share the story about, I think an uncle that was passed away came and talked to him and his guys. And anyway, he was sharing the story with her and, you know, he was just happy doing his thing, telling a story. And she said, you know, to a lot of people that just sounds weird or something like that. <sighs> and it just broke my heart because um, you know, her reality can be weird to some people. You know, you can be a poor child from Alabama and now she's so astronomically rich and wealthy and she has such amazing access and her life is, her life is something where if she had described her day and if she described what things she has monetarily access to my people, you know, I know a lot of people that would think what she does or her life experience is also super weird and crazy, right? If you're not experiencing it, it seems weird, but just because she can afford a lot of things and other people can't afford them doesn't mean that she can't afford those things. And so I want to normalize this energetic gift that, um, there are some things that you do daily, which sounds weird to people and who cares? Because again, 
the fact that maybe you think, oh, you know, getting on your private plane and going to London sounds weird. That doesn't mean she didn't do that this morning. <laughs> so our gift is just as, let's just say it's as normal as a gift of being wealthy and having access to things other people don't. That's the same as our gift. We have access to other dimensions. We have access to other people's emotions. We have access to other people's thoughts and we can go all over the timeline. We can be in the past, the present, the future. We can go all over. And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about your energetic gift. So, um, I was sad that she said it that way, but I understand. And, and I also understand that her reality is insane. Like it's unthinkable to, to the most people, I dare say, not just the people I grew up with, but to most people, what she's able to do sounds totally weird too. And good for her, right? I think like with our gift, I would strive to have the access that she does. I have dreams of that for my family and for myself. So taking the things that are weird to me that she gets to experience, I want to do that too. And so the way we have access to guides and to, um, our loved ones on the other side, instead of going, that sounds weird and untouchable. I'd like other people to look at us and go, wow, that's cool. How do you do that? I want to do that too. I want to have access to the things that you do too. All right. The third story, or maybe we're at the second story only, um, where this sort of our reality can be unprovable to those who don't understand. Um, again, this is like a story I heard a long time ago and I've just kept it in my heart because it's profound. It, it helped me understand people's limitations to understanding who I am and what I can do. So the story goes, let's just say, I don't know what the timeline was on this. So there was a native, we're going way back in time and there was a native American that was sent on a mission to find out what was over the mountain. And let's just say a year later, he came back to the little tribe village and he told them of lights and electricity and of these picture things where you could capture an image. And the story goes that the tribes people didn't believe a word he said and told them he was a liar. And so he took upon the, that, that title of being a liar and it destroyed him. Okay. And I think the other side of the story was the, the mountain he walked over was, um, he was introduced to like Las Vegas at the beginnings of it all. And because the town didn't have access, you know, this little tribal community didn't have access to getting to that. They'd never seen anything like that. It seemed like a lie, like a delusion. And yet that was something he see, he saw, he felt, he experienced, and they could not contain his reality. They could not contain or understand what he was talking about. Therefore, instead of taking a moment, maybe even daring to take the journey themselves just to see what he was talking about, they decided he was just a liar. And that uh, mantle of, he took that on. Okay, well, I'm a liar, I guess. And it destroyed his life. I believe he left the tribe and was never found again. So what I love about this story, and I know you guys are already getting it, is that just because they didn't see it 
for themselves, and he did, doesn't make him a liar. And if somebody calls you a liar, reject the mantle because you see and you know and you hear and you do. And like we're seeing this in our culture today, we can all see what's going on. And one person will say, what you see is not true. And half the people will go, oh, okay. Like, no, 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 no. Protect, respect, love, appreciate, be full of gratitude. The things that you see and sense and know and hear that other people unfortunately don't have access to. And what I do say is like, if it's accessible to me, it's accessible to you. I know that as a fact. If I have a guide, you have a guide. If I have angels that love me and protect me, were sent by my creator to adore me and protect me, you do too. And whether you acknowledge that or not has nothing to do with whether I do. I know it. I see it. And if you don't get to see it right away, neither did I. There were glimpses in my childhood. I mean, it was full on when I was a little tiny girl, but I worked hard to ignore it and shut it down. And I was pretty successful for a long time. So seeing spirits or seeing things, I would more sense them, hear them than have to see them because I was strong enough to be able to shut that part of me down. But that doesn't mean it wasn't there. And if somebody was to able to see that, and, um, you know, my grandma's standing next to me and she's on the other side. And if a medium says, I see your grandma and I go, no, you don't. That doesn't mean she doesn't. <laughs> okay. So be humble, be grateful that if you're able to see and know and hear, um, that's beautiful. We should all be as conscious and as brave to see that, which is real for all of us. But some people cannot be, they cannot, they cannot understand it. Some people aren't very smart. I don't mean to sound like a jerk, but we must accept that aspect of other people. Um, so whether you draw it or you make it as real as you can, they may not ever understand. Therefore, the next question would be how much of my energy am I able to give you so that you to, to attempt to help you understand. And if you the truth is like, no matter what you do, they won't understand, they won't believe you, then do not waste a drop of your time trying to make it real for them. Because though they have access to it, they may never allow it to be real, right? Just like if your family doesn't know what love is, and you're blessed to know, you know, you fight to know what love is and to, to find trust in what love brings to your life. But your family is like, no, they just cannot be brave to allow love in their hearts. That doesn't mean you should not let love in your heart. That doesn't mean the love you experience isn't real. Okay. I could go on and on about that, but I'll spare you. Um, so anyway, I love that story and I hope that it illustrates that there are just some magical places that you have access to. And no matter what other people do, they may never understand they may want to, and if they do, if you want to spend your time explaining, if you want to spend your time, like he could have taken people on a journey, like, Hey, I'll take you on the journey. I went on to see these things. And some people might actually go and that might have validated him or could have brought the magic to them. You know, I'm talking about real life magic here, not like Hollywood magic, but rather the magic of life, the magic of creation that the, the town, let's say Las Vegas, to his reality, he was in awe and 
There were other people in the tribe that had access to that awe. They simply chose not to. Okay, as I wrap up, um, you know, the finer points again is that um, respect is the one thing required for being in a relationship with somebody, you know, that um, I I get a little different about children because I think it's our job to always be there for our children no matter what, hell or high water. We've agreed to be there for them no matter what, right? But with other people, you know, parents and partners and spouses and friends, this is an aspect of you that must be respected. And it does not have to be understood, but it must be respected. Um, People don't get to talk down. People don't get to make fun. People don't get to call you a liar. Um, People can ask um, thoughtful questions. I would encourage that because we want other people to understand. You know, if there's something that I've not, uh, you know, experienced, I I want to understand other people. So I try hard to ask respectful questions. Um, and whether our partners or anyone never understands, that's also okay. Cause we don't want to shove it in other people's faces. You know, like if my husband came home every day and suggested I get into beer manufacturing, that would be a real drag. Cause that's not my destiny. And again, I'm not really a drinker anyway. Um, but it's the same thing. So if we put that on our loved one's shoulders, you know, you have to, you have to know these things and you have to see these things. And that's not what we do. We, we, we turn that over to their guides, right? If somebody that we love is supposed to understand this information, their guides will help them put them in the right spot. So we will, we want to be available for that, but it is not, we are not God. It is not up to us whether somebody we love ever understands this reality, this world, our world. Okay. Um, and be thoughtful and protective of who you share this information with. So we don't ever want to prove it. You know, early in my career, I was so excited. I was so confused that I thought that if I got something, I really felt that pressure that I had to share it. Um, especially as a medium, you can't believe the sense of responsibility mediums feel. Um, we were buying a new car and we went down to Denver to do that. And there was this beautiful black man and his incredibly powerful, lovely mother was talking to me. And I desperately wanted to give him a message because she was so lovely and so loud. (laughs) I'm trying to listen to him talk shop to me. And she's talking to me and she wants me so badly to give him a message. But I also read him and that wouldn't have been the right place for him. And so we're all we're navigating both realities, we want to always take care of people. So even though you might get a message that does not mean you have to give it. I wanted to make sure he felt good and safe with me. I wanted to make sure that I felt good and safe, right? It's not my job to give messages to literally everybody I see. That's not my job. You're getting the message because you're a medium. That doesn't mean you have to do it. Okay, honey. Um, so boundaries around that. Um, you don't have to prove it to people. The only person you always have to prove this to is yourself over and over again, because we get a little bit, um, I don't know what the word is. (sighs) We get so used to the miracles and the interesting and the different textures. We get a little bit, what's the word? Not snotty snobby maybe (laughs) I can admit I can be kind of a psychic snob where um you know you kind of get to the point where if somebody's telling a ghost story and it happened to them once you're like well that was Tuesday for me you know 
that that's okay that we can get a little bit too used to it. Um, it is normal life. This is normal stuff that happens. So we don't have to be in awe of every single psychic medium thing that we experience. That's just another Tuesday for you. Um, and so you don't owe anybody proof of all of the amazing things that you do. You know, like if you're a, if you're a fame, like let's just say Adele, or if, if you're a famous singer, um, you, you know that in your heart. So like you don't meet every single person and go, Oh my God, I've got to play a song for you. You know, you just are. In fact, the more you know who you are, the less you're willing to give it to every Tom, Dick and Harry that we come across. Right. Cause it's like, I don't have to share this part with you at all. I don't owe you this part of me. So when we talk about these things, the person you must prove it to over and over again is yourself and be aware that you raise the standards a lot. So you can even be super demanding with your guides and with energy and things because you might get a little bit bored of the, as I say, the miracles that you've already experienced four times this morning. So <laughs> um, that's it for this week. Um, again, if you're curious about which is the strongest Claire in you, Go to my website at katesaintclair.com and take my quiz, Which Claire Are You? Um, if you'd like to share that with me on my social media, I would just love to see your result of that quiz. And I, I always have to say that um, our goal is to have all of our Claire's functioning at once, but I don't care who you are. You have one Claire that is super, super strong in you. And so it's really fun to find out which one that is. Um Thank you for being with me today and subscribe to this podcast and go ahead and leave me a lovely review so that we can let other sensitives know that this is the place that they need to be. Um, this is a safe place for them. This is a place where they need to be part of this dialogue with us so we can do this together. Okay. Um, I'll see you next week. Uh, it looks like next week we're going to the, well, the podcast is called beautiful sensitive it's going to be a long one because it's kind of a love note to you from me. Um, I want to talk about five beliefs that we have um, as psychic mediums. And again, we're sort of always fighting the culture of Hollywood that makes us have these ridiculous expectations for ourselves that are not real. But there, we're going to go over 11 truths of what it means to actually be psychic medium sensitive. And I want to give you five ways to embrace this aspect of you. Until next time, I'll see you next week. And remember, it's your birthright to be guided and be great.